0: Time for another edition of Senior Smarts on Classic Hits K-Wing 106 brought to you by St. Crispin Living Community in Red Wing with our continuum of care including our renowned short-term rehab services and uh, we're going to talk more about Alzheimer's today as you heard last week and we're going to continue with it. Uh, Debbie Bradley and Dr. Eric Trehus.
1: And Dr. Eric we're thrilled once again to have you as um, the main focus here of our show and we're just going to dive right back into Alzheimer's part two. So if you missed the show last week, listeners, I would encourage you to go back and listen to last week's show, part one. There was lots of good information, um, some stuff I've never heard about, and today we're going to learn more. So Dr. Eric, thank you for being with us, and um, tell us some more about Alzheimer's.
0: Thank you, Debbie. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, It's kind of exciting to talk about something that on the surface seems so dismal, but, but maybe there is hope for all of us, right? So, mm-hmm. so yeah. I think this week I'd like to do is, is dive a little bit deep, deeper into the lifestyle choices that we've advocated through the, through the use of what we have termed the five pillars or, or good lifestyle choices and how this works to reduce your Alzheimer's rate and risk. So, uh, and I just wanted to make sure people realize, and you know, I'm sure you all know this, but it's, there is no cure for alzheimer's but there's very very good evidence that is emerging to support that lifestyle choices make a difference and help to prevent as well as modify alzheimer's if you are diagnosed with it so and and, and so i'm going to kind of go over a couple risk factors and 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 give examples of what that might mean here so last episode we talked about diet and and also uh, noted loneliness as a risk factor for for getting Alzheimer's, which is, was an interest to me when I, when I read that. So Today, I'm going to start with heart disease as a kind of a, a topic that actually might help you understand how this happens with Alzheimer's and, and, and why the two are related. And how preventing these are the same thing and improving each of those through lifestyle choices and how it makes a difference. So heart disease, just simply put, is a progressive reducing oxygen delivery to the heart muscle through progressively narrowing arteries. Somewhat simplified there, but that's pretty much what it is. It's you're not getting oxygen to your tissue, and the tissue breaks down and and dies. And how this happens in heart disease is that uh, these narrowing... There's generalized inflammation in your body, so your arteries react to that, and that Band-Aid reaction is to accumulate cholesterol which slowly narrows down that artery lessening and lessening the blood flow to the to the heart so conversely what helps that well exercise and here's one of the pillars exercise dilates arteries and it gives more oxygen to the tissue and works to keep vessels more flexible and warding off this cholesterol placking as a band-aid so to speak and as you exercise you have a dynamic it's not just opens up and that's where it is it's a dynamic going more closed than opening all throughout the day. And if you do it on a regular basis, it's kind of like that adage of um, uh, r- rolling stones gather no moss. It's the same type of thing. If your arteries yeah. are keeping going dilating and cons- constriction, you don't have the, the cholesterol placking. Um, the other thing in this regard to and that's going back to the nutrition part of the of the pillars, and that is w- you ward off this placking by a proper diet as well a, a, a reduced inflamed diet reduced inflammatory diet reduces the plaqueing as well so exercise and diet are very important when when treating both heart disease risk but we also see the risk of Alzheimer's going up as the risk of heart disease goes up as well so it's really related to the same thing it's about arterial blood flow to the brain and what the brain does with that Next thing is sleep. We talked about sleep. We had a few sessions on sleep, and I, I would encourage you to review that. I'm just going to quickly kind of gloss over some of those points, but but allows, sleep allows us to clear the breakdown products of our cell metabolism, as well as ridding toxins throughout the brain. And this is done when you lay down and you fall asleep, you actually activate what's called the a newly found system that's called the glymphatic system and it is like the waste removal system it's the garbage collecting system of the brain in fact they've done studies showing that laying on your left side does a better job laying on your right side which does a better job of laying on your back but they all contribute towards this waste removal product the other side effect of sleep is it improves your insulin sensitivity by about thirty percent if you get a good eight hours of sleep and it's important to have insulin sensitivity because the, the lack of sensitivity to insulin means that you've got to have more insulin working, plus you have higher levels of blood sugar, and again, as we talked about before, blood sugar is an irritant to the arteries causing an increased risk for heart disease. So you utilize glucose better in the brain, you reduce brain inflammation, and you improve oxygen delivery to the brain, which all delivers a reduced Alzheimer's risk. And that is merely a good night's sleep.
1: Something so simple.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Or supposedly simple.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's exactly yes. Yeah, so lots of people have trouble sleeping, but it, please review the the old uh, the the episodes that we talked about sleep because I think there's some good hints that that people can follow and, 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 mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. help that. So l- next one is stress. Another one of those key elements in the in the five pillars. And it's found that those that have effective stress modification, in other words, have stress, but they're able to put it in its right place, not having uh, such an effect on them. Uh, Those that effectively manage stress, as well as those that have nurturing relationships, again, relationships, nurturing relationships, relationships have an overall less brain inflammation and show a positive correlation to a lowered Alzheimer's risk. Mm-hmm. so proper stress management and good relationships actually reduce your chance of getting alzheimer's
1: and so what i what I think about when you're talking about that is <clears throat> when you're talking about stress I know I've heard from people a number of times is that well we're we're under all this stress with all these things going on in our lives right now how do you even manage that and so I would think well prioritize number one what What is causing concern to you? So prioritize those and see if there's anything you can do about those things and then try to address those systematically and objectively. And then also, as far as the relationships, choose to spend time with the people who are life-giving to you. So don't let other people define for you, you should be spending time with these people because society says, yeah, you need to do this. You need to be with the people who you feel are life-giving, and nobody else can define that for you. So prioritize what you're feeling anxious about or where you may not feel very calm. Um, Prioritize those things and see if you can do something about those, and you make your choices about who is life-giving to you.
0: That's a very, very good point and and very nicely put. And if one refers back to our episode on relationships, there's some, some hints to that. But not only be around people that are positive for you, but culture in yourself the ability to be positive to others. And it's a learned trait. I mean, this is all learned behavior. And so if you can take a moment in yourself to dive a little deeper with your questioning for a person, because everybody loves talking about themselves. So if you ask a little deeper, like not just, hey, how's it going, but more like, really, how are you doing? This is a complicated time. How is it affecting you? And, so, mm-hmm. a- and, and even though it may not be something you're comfortable with, the more you do it, the more comfortable you are, and you don't have to have all the answers. The, one of the greatest points there is that you show concern, and that makes that connection. And that creates right. that nurturing relationship. So, okay, diving down again to um, to one here that seems obvious, but it's 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 a hydration. Okay, eighty percent of the brain is made up of water. In fact, if you do MRI scans of someone that is dehydrated, you actually show shrinkage. And then, if you hydrate them and a few hours later do another scan, the brain plumps up. And when and it just stands to reason then that when the brain is shrunk with chronic dehydration because we just most people don't get enough water through the day, that the brain has less vascular flow. You have less blood flowing through. You have less oxygen available to your brain tissue to do its necessary things. Its its energy giving ability. So hydration is really key in one of the main things. So eight hours or eight eight hours, eight glasses of water a day really. Even though it's an age old concept, it really is true and and should be done. Next one Eric. Uh, yeah.
1: I have a question for you. Sure. On the flip side, is there any caution that people should take with is there any possibility that they can drink too much? That they're just washing all their vitamins away and the minerals that they need. Is there any possibility of that? Uh,
0: good question. They're answered in two parts. One is the normal individual takes care of that. But yeah, you don't want to drink 20 glasses of water a day, you do flush out that is true you kind of leach out and slowly diminish the kidneys ability to retract and keep the good stuff in you and and such but also there are medical states that you just don't want to uh, have as much water such as congestive heart failure or chronic kidney disease so there are some medical conditions so that's one you know talk with your your trusted uh, medical advisor and, and talk about hydration. But in the normal individual, in the person that doesn't have these chronic diseases, eight to eight glasses of water is kind of the, the prescription, so to speak. So but that's a good question to, to clarify that.
1: Good. Thanks for answering that. Uh,
0: another one that we talked about in the past is meditation. And I know it sounds a little kind of touchy-feely, but it has been shown to raise something called the BDNF, which is brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And that is one of the most important chemicals that our brain does for us and it's made by the brain and it allows new cells to grow uh, and also uh, uh, become healthy and to differentiate into proper types of cells so that's a very important thing in particular with Alzheimer's which affects uh, primarily the hippocampus which is responsible for memory if you have a lot of BDNF it protects that it makes the the hippocampus more uh, healthy and has a direct correlation to the risk for Alzheimer's. Another point that I wanted to to make here is, and we're going to talk about fasting in in future uh, top uh, episodes, but fasting also is something that uh, has been shown to increase function, longevity, nerve formation, and reduce inflammation, and that's just a 12-hour fast. In other words, Eat at six o'clock at night, and then breakfast at seven in the morning, so to speak, and nothing in between. So, so uh, to kind of summarize what we've talked about, the what are the steps to take? Well, thirty minutes of exercise can be just a brisk walk. Eight hours of sleep. Nature walks very important. Meditation, just five to twelve minutes a day, or at least mindfulness practices, and we've talked about that in the med- meditation episode. Or at least do the diaphragmatic breathing, which is that four seconds in, let your belly go out, and four seconds exhalation, letting your abdomen kind of come back. Uh, Yoga, daily stretches, and lastly, seeking joy in relationships, relationships with family, friends, or community. And lastly, laugh more. That's always good. Love
1: it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So those, those are things you can do on a daily basis to to minimize your Alzheimer's risk.
1: The wonderful thing is, they're all free. Yeah. Um, you don't need a prescription for them, and these are things that we've heard from, what, Grandma and Grandpa from years ago. These are things we should do to live a, a clean life that's focused on, you know, helping one another and eating right and all that, and you know, being a helpful person who contributes to society. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dr. Eric. This is always good stuff. Thanks. Thank you. And with that, St. Crispin Living Community is changing aging in Red Wing.
0: Join us for another edition of Senior Smarts on Classic Hits K-Wing 106, brought to you by St. Crispin Living Community in Red Wing, with our continuum of care, including our renowned short-term rehab services.